Um, last Sunday night, we dealt with mercy in the time of salvation. And again, we are defining mercy as biblically and as thoroughly as we can. It is what is given by the victor to the vanquished. It is received by those who have given, who have lost the battle, who have given up and have surrendered their will and their life to the winner of the conflict. And in salvation, God has, the only sinless one, has won the conflict. We have lost because we have sinned. We must come to God and present ourselves for His mercy. Once we receive God's mercy, He changes everything about us. It is His power that makes us who and what we ought to be. Tonight, we're going to look at mercy. Excuse me, mercy in the hour of temptation. Let's go to Genesis chapter 19. This is actually the first time the word mercy is used in the Bible. How many of you are familiar with the story of the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah? This is what the story was in Genesis 19. And I want us to just take a moment here and sneak back to the end of Genesis chapter 18. In verse 23, And Abraham drew near and said, Wilt thou also destroy the righteous with the wicked? Peradventure there be fifty righteous within the city. Wilt thou also destroy and not spare the place for fifty righteous that are therein, that be far from thee to do after this manner, to slay the righteous with the wicked, that the righteous should be as the wicked, that be far from thee, shall not the judge of all the earth do right. Now can you imagine speaking these words to the Lord Jesus Christ? That's what Abraham was doing. This is, uh, if you like theological terms, this is what we call a Christophany, or a pre-incarnate appearance of Christ. Jesus did not begin in the manger. He's the eternal God. He appeared to Abraham here and he said, shouldn't I tell Abraham what I'm about to do? And he tells Abraham for a purpose. He wants Abraham to pray for Sodom and Gomorrah. And Abraham does. He draws near and he prays and he says, Lord, if there's 50 people, would you destroy 50 righteous people uh, with all of the wicked people in Sodom? And God said, I won't destroy it for 50's sake. And I really believe that, that there's a phrase that has been used. It's a slang. It really is not a good phrase, but we talk about Jewing down someone. Everybody, anybody ever heard that phraseology? This is where it comes from. Abraham started out with 50, and he ends up with 10. But you'll notice something here. It's verse 32, and he said, Oh, let not the Lord be angry, and I will speak yet, but this once preadventure 10 shall be found there. And he said, 
I will not destroy it for ten's sake. And the Lord went his way as soon as he had left communing with Abraham, and Abraham returned to his place. God knew what he was going to do. He worked in the heart of Abraham to intercede on behalf of these people. And he started out at 50 and got all the way down to 10. Let me ask you a question. Can you imagine how much effort it took Abraham to speak to the Lord this way? I mean, this was some earnest, sincere praying. Don't you believe? And he kept repeating, kept asking when he got down to 10, the Lord said, that's it. That's all the farther I'm going. He left because the Lord knew there weren't 10 in Sodom. But when Abraham got up the next morning and looked into the city of the plains and saw the smoke ascending into the heavens, Abraham knew that he had done all that was possible to save that city. Do you see that in there? That's God's mercy, is it not? But God wasn't done with his mercy. Let's go to verse 16, 15. It says, And when the morning arose, the angels hastened Lot, saying, Arise, take thy wife and thy two daughters which are here. I think that's one of the phrases, saddest phrases in the whole Bible. He said, Take thy wife and thy two daughters which are here, which means Lot had to have more than two daughters. And it says, Lest thou be consumed in the iniquity of the city. And while he lingered, the men laid hold upon his hand, and upon the hand of his wife, and upon the hand of his two daughters. What's the next phrase? The Lord being merciful unto him. And they brought him forth and set him without the city. And it came to pass when they brought them forth abroad that he said, Escape for thy life, look not behind thee. Neither stay thou in all the plain, escape to the mountain, lest thou be consumed. And Lot said unto them, O not so, my Lord, behold, now thy servant hath found grace in thy sight, and thou hast magnified thy mercy which thou hast showed unto me in saving my life, and I cannot escape to the mountain, lest some evil take me and I die. Behold, now this city is near to flee unto, and it is a little one. O let me escape thither, is it not a little one, and my soul shall live? And he said unto him, See... I have accepted thee concerning this thing also, that I will not overthrow this city for which thou hast spoken. So we have these angels literally dragging Lot, his two daughters, and his wife out of the city of Sodom the last morning that it existed. I want you to turn with me to the book of Second Peter. The book of Second Peter. And this is what I mean by the Bible being a commentary on the Bible. Second Peter chapter 2, verse 6. It says, In turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with an overthrow, making them an ensample unto those that after should live ungodly. Verse 7 
and delivered just Lot, vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked, for that righteous man dwelling among them and seeing and hearing vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. Verse 9, the Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. The story of Lot, God being merciful to Lot, is a picture, an illustration to us that God can deliver us from temptation. Lot was not destroyed in the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. And there is no excuse for any believer in Christ to be destroyed by the sins of this world. There is victory for you if you will accept God's mercy. God will claim you. It says some, we've been going through the book of Jude, it says some pulling out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the world. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 10.13. Uh, I love this verse. It's one you ought to memorize if you have not memorized it yet. But the picture of Lot was Sodom and Gomorrah were destroyed. Those who rebel against God shall be de um, destroyed in God's judgment. They'll be put in hell forever. Verse 12 of, of uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10 says, Wherefore let him think that think, wherefore let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. Number one, there's no temptation that you face that other human beings are not facing the same temptation. This is one of the devil's lies. What did Elijah say to God? He said, I'm the only one left. Nobody knows how hard it is God said, listen, I got 7,000 other men that have not bowed, bowed to Baal. You're not alone. You are not some weird freak because you are tempted. You are a human being. Welcome to the human race. Now, if you're tempted with alcohol and you decide to get a job uh, selling liquor, that's not what this verse is talking about, all right? What this is talking about here is, and the temptation is there, but God is faithful. If you are following God, he is never going to put you in a situation that you cannot have the victory over. Because God is faithful. He's not going to suffer you to be tempted above that which ye are able but will with the temptation make a way to escape? What happens when you don't take God's way of escape? 
you sin. You've got to look for God's escape. You see, God's mercy is there. If you accept His mercy, you're going to take the escape route. You will bear the temptation and you will have the victory. Now, that does not mean we'll be perfect, but it means that we ought to be moving in that direction toward Him. Amen? We ought to be able to and we ought to work and we ought to struggle and strive against the flesh. Number one, we have to realize that what is tempting you is tempting other people. You are not alone. That's one of the purposes of church is that we come together and encourage one another that we may serve God together. Amen? That's one of the escapes is just simply being in church. How many times have it almost sounds like a little voice sounding in your head? Don't go there. Just don't do that. And you do it anyway. And you get in trouble. Anybody else ever been there? That's the Lord showing you the escape route. You ever just heard that little voice saying, don't say it. Just keep your mouth shut. Don't open up. Just be quiet. You don't have to say anything. And you listen, and the storm blows over. You took the escape. You won. Amen? God wants us to have the victory. His mercy is there. We have already been defeated by sin. Let God tell you what to do. His mercy is there to give us victory in temptation. And when we do sin, now, this Bible that I just read says, delivered just Lot. If there is any word I would use to describe Lot, just would not be one of them. Lot was a pretty sorry fellow, was he not? But here's what Lot's problem was. Lot vexed his righteous soul day by day in seeing and hearing their unlawful deeds. Believe it or not, I've had a few people over the years come to me and say, Pastor, now that I'm saved, I've realized I just can't raise my family in New York City. It's too wicked here. And uh, I've tried to be as kind and compassionate as I possibly can. I said, well, then I guess God made a mistake in putting my family here, right? Uh, The simple truth of the matter is you can live where God puts you. This is not what it's talking about. God did not put Lot in Sodom. Lot chose it. But if we'll follow God, he'll give us the victory if we take his escapes. There is a way to keep sin from destroying your life. Amen? This is God's mercy. He wants you to have it. And what you need to do is admit that you can't fight it on your own. 
accept God's mercy. Take the escape route and you'll be free and have the victory. Uh, the best illustration I ever came up with this verse uh, is the one that I used uh, 20-some years ago when I preached this sermon the first time. Um, how many? And I don't recommend this. This was 20, what was it, 24, 25 years ago. So uh, you could... You could actually go to Disney World back then. There were no gay days and all of those things that going on today. But they had a roller coaster there called Space Mountains. Anybody ever seen that thing? And, uh, I mean, you'll be standing in line sometimes an hour and a half, two hours to get on that ride. And uh, the last time I was there, uh, actually, uh, Joey and I went on a date there while we were... Uh, just getting to know each other. And the Space Mountain had uh, this little sign there at the very beginning. It says, the wait from here is about two hours. If you have, um, I'm trying to remember, heart disease, kidney disease, back problems. And it goes through this whole list of things and ends up with unpaid life insurance premiums. Please do not take this ride. Well, you're in line about 15, 20 minutes, and guess what? There's another sign, and it says the same basic thing, only exit here. About four different times as you're standing in line, and finally you walk up, and there's a little red line there, and it says all of those things, if you have any of these problems, do not ride this ride. Exit here. This is your last chance. Now, it was not that ride, but it, there was another roller coaster at some amusement park. Somebody ignored all the warnings, and uh, they strapped this lady in and went for the ride. She had a heart attack in the middle of the ride, and she was stone-cold dead when that roller ca coaster came to rest. She was still there. But that is the illustration of God's escape. God will warn us. He'll give us opportunities to get out, to leave now, to sew it shut. Amen? To get that problem solved, He gives us. But if you ignore God's warnings, let me tell you something. You're still going to be strapped in when you come back, but you're going to wish you hadn't gone on that ride. That's the way sin works. It's, uh, someone said, well, it's not very brave to take the escape route. Oh, my friend, when it's God's escape route. You don't have to be brave to accept mercy. But I'll tell you this, I don't want that kind of bravery in my life. How about you? I'd rather be humble and serving God than brave and lose my opportunity to be the servant of Jesus Christ. Will you accept God's mercy in the hour of temptation? Just as you accepted God's mercy in the hour of salvation, you can accept God's mercy in temptation.
and he will deliver you. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you this night, and Lord, we're thankful that your mercy is there, that this is a promise in your word, Lord, that it's illustrated just so many times. Lord, you know how to deliver the godly out of temptation. We ask for your deliverance in our lives through this week. We ask that we would each be careful to take the escapes that you have prepared for us. And we may have the victory over temptation. And we need to understand the victory is your victory. In Jesus' name we pray.